It's not just you. Overall, it's been cloudy stretch of weather for many areas in the Midwest, including much of Illinois. For our Health and Harvest Desk, Elizabeth Rembart reports the number of overcast days in January were higher than historical averages. The winter months tend to be the cloudiest part of the year, but this year it's been extra gloomy in much of the Midwest and Great Plains. That's according to data collected by the Iowa Environmental Mesonet. Andrew Stutsky is a TV meteorologist at WQAD in Moline, Illinois. His Quad Cities audience noticed the long stretch of overcast days. I had so many folks asking, like, is this way, way cloudier than normal? And I'm like, yeah, you're you're onto something. We've had very few days with full sunshine in January. During the winter, cold air and moisture get trapped at the ground. It all condenses into a thick, dense cloud blanketing the sky. Thankfully, Stutsky says February tends to provide some sunny relief. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rembert. After Congress took aim at social media companies, state lawmakers have filed legislation to create a safer online environment for kids. Capital News Illinois reports one measure would help parents create stronger privacy settings and how companies could data from minors. Another would require a customer service line to report inappropriate content that would need to be removed within days. A sponsor compared social media to the tobacco and opiate industry, saying people cannot trust them to regulate themselves. She also says Illinois can't wait for the federal government to act. Lurie Children's Hospital has been offline for more than a week, and it's having a ripple effect on other pediatric providers throughout the region. Kristen Schwarsch reports. Lurie is the biggest children's hospital in the Chicago area and shut down its network on January 31st after a criminal threat. But when phones, email, and the electronic medical record system went down, it reached far beyond just Lori. WBEZ has learned community pediatricians and medical groups that use Lori's online billing system can't bill. A Lori spokeswoman confirmed the hospital is trying to help them bill manually. And in other cases, community doctors tied into Lori's messaging portal that has gone dark can't message with families either. They're encouraging parents to call. And in some cases, community pediatricians are referring patients who would have gone to Lori to other hospitals and specialists. Kristen Schorsch, WBZ News. The Illinois Manufacturers Association is behind a plan that would allow tax credits for on-site child care programs. The group says it could help with attracting more workers. A cost estimate was not provided. Another effort to give tax breaks to businesses who help employees repay student loans. The credits would help offset about $5,000 per year. It is 6.07. You are listening to NPR Illinois. It is 6.45. You are listening to NPR Illinois. I'm Michelle Eccles. Joining us this morning from Heartland House, Josh Sabo. And we wanted to do a kind of a check-in to see where things were in the effort to decrease homelessness in central Illinois. And I know one of the things that we recently had talked about uh, with Maureen McKinney when she did a feature with you was the fact that the Helping Hand Shelter has opened in its new location. Talk to us about how that location is working out thus far. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. Uh, the facility opened at this point uh, just over a month ago, and uh, as you can imagine, it's a it's a new location, it's a new facility, so there's a, a quite a bit of transition around just helping people uh, navigate that resource, how to get there, how to use the resources that have been created to get there. But um, and then for the staff, I think it's been quite a quite a transition because um, all of their housing staff and shelter staff are now in 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 one building, but. Um, We've been uh, 
really impressed with with the work that Helping Hands has done and uh, the way that community partners are are coming around them. Um, and I think we're we're just excited to see how how the community continues to support uh, that operation and and help people move from from that shelter into housing opportunity. Now I know there were some concerns about transportation. How do we get people there? That kind of thing, but. I mean, homelessness is not just a certain location problem. It happens throughout the city. How is that working out as far as getting people to the location? I think, you know, one important component of that is that, you know, this facility is open uh, 24 hours a day. You know, I think, um, you know, in the past, the way that um, a lot of our, our resources have worked is that they're they're open for little windows of time and, and people have to try to navigate which ones they can be at at, at certain times in order to be out of the elements. And so... Uh, this this facility being open 24/7 gives people you know a lot more stability in terms of you know choosing how to spend their time and if you know if they need to go to an appointment um, case management staff there has access to vans to help people get to uh, whether it's to get to the social security office or a, a, you know the a health clinic uh, plus there's an on-site health clinic so so I think a lot of those needs for transportation are, are different than they were in the past. Uh, but SMTD has a bus line that goes directly to the facility, and then Helping Hands has a, a shelter operation that they've developed uh, that that sort of, um, or a, a van shelter, uh, oh my gosh, uh, a van uh, that will go and, and pick people up and get them to the shelter at, at certain locations too. So I know during the initial transition, the goal was to, to try to make that as easy as possible and create as, as many opportunities as possible for uh, people to be able to to make sure they can they can get to the facility. Now we have a lot of families that are homeless. We have individuals that are homeless. Uh, Helping Hands is just one location that helps with that. When it comes to families with children, is that the the location they go to, or, or where where are they housed? Right. Our primary family shelter is Contact Ministries, um, so that is still you know it's located on their facilities on 11th Street, and they've got an emergency shelter there and transitional shelter beds. Um, and that is that's the key resource. There are other uh, transitional shelter options, uh, Mercy Communities and Inner City Mission. Uh, so I know that as people get to contact ministries, um, they also help them get to some of those other resources if they're needed. And that's another thing. How are we doing as far as building that place for people to find housing to make that transition from being homeless to getting a house? That's one of the big things that we need, right? Right. You you know, in our community, we've historically had a lot of emergency shelter, but we've not had a lot of those housing opportunities, uh, which the two that we're really working to scale are rapid rehousing and permanent supportive housing. Those are programs that can support people in a, in a housing unit for, you know, up to two years for rapid rehousing and then permanent supportive housing. The support can be longer. And so the goal is to really have enough of those opportunities so that when when a family is in emergency shelter, uh, we can we can help them keep that stay as short as possible, uh, and that also helps to make sure that those crisis beds are available in case another family has a crisis. So, uh, at the moment, you know, especially this time of year, that's something we're really keeping our eyes on: is what does capacity look like in those in those facilities, and uh, are, are there enough beds? And and uh, fortunately, we've we've um, you know, for individuals, we're we're in great shape, and in families, things can fluctuate quite a bit just due to family size. So. Uh, so that that certainly is the way the system is is focused on helping that emergency sh- shelter stay as as short as possible. What are some of the other initiatives you're working on currently to try to decrease homelessness? 
we a group of us of eleven of us went to uh, Joliet last week. Uh, we we are a part uh, with four other communities: uh, Rockford, Joliet, and suburban Cook County, uh, who are participating in what's called a 100 Day Challenge on unsheltered homelessness. And uh, with the support of uh, Reinstitute and the support of Housing Providers Association. Uh, we spent those two days really developing goals for initiatives we can improve over the next 100 days. Our, our 100 days actually starts today. Uh, so our, our hopes, a lot of that is based around outreach and better coordination of outreach and uh, collection of data so that we can um, you know, really help people from wherever they are get the resources they need and, and get off the streets. So uh, I'm really excited about that. I, we'll, we'll be communicating more about that as we go through that process. But uh, the real goal is to kind of push on our, our system and see how we can make some quick improvements. Josh Sabo, Executive Director of Springfield's Heartland House, thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure, Michelle. Thanks for having me. It is 651. You are listening to NPR Illinois.